0: Back to the show, everybody. This is Brian. Hey, it's Todd. What's going on, Brian? Not a whole lot. And this is the Cryptic Creatures Podcast. Yes, it is. Doing another
1: good show this time.
0: That's right. I'm really excited about this one.
1: We are getting a lot of uh, people talking to um, on social media about setting up interviews and getting on and doing shows. So I'm excited about that. We're getting a good lineup started. So uh, yeah. we're going to have a lot of cool episodes coming out about a lot yeah, of different got some things.
0: Exciting stuff coming down the pipe.
1: For sure. Uh, what do you know about Maine, Brian? You ever been to the state of Maine before?
0: Uh, no. I hear they have a lot of lobster up there. Lobster.
1: Lobster. (laughs) Lobster in the boat yards, probably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But no, I've never been there. Uh, I think I've been, the closest I've been, I think, is uh, Connecticut.
1: Yep. I have not. But I always thought Maine was, you know, kind of an open kind of prairie kind of rolling hills kind of land, but it's all woods from what I'm gathering on this. That's what it looks like on the map. That's what you're talking to.
0: And that Northwoods Law TV show.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's very close to Canada, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, right at the very
0: tip of the U.S.
1: A lot of things going on up there for sure, I bet. Oh, man. Yeah. But uh, we know a guy who knows about that, and uh, he's going to come on the show tonight, and his name's Mike.
0: Yep. Excited about that. Sounds like he's in a hot
1: spot up there. It does. He's had several encounters. I think he's going to talk about two or three tonight, but uh, he's got more, so we'll bring him back after this for sure. But uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, ready to bring him on? Yeah. All right, Yeah, man. let's get the show on the road.
2: All right. We'll bring him on. Here we go.
1: Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man.
2: Hey, no problem. You know, I get some stories to tell, and uh, I'm perfectly willing to tell them.
0: Uh, we're ready to listen.
1: Yes, we are. We appreciate you coming on so much and uh, sharing your your experiences and stories, and um, and our listeners to hear everything. So, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, if you want to? Your your you know your your kind of thoughts about um you know what did you think about Bigfoot or your you know before your experience? Um, did you believe in Bigfoot? Um, you know your upbringing and all that stuff, and then you can get into your story. You've had a couple of uh, encounters, right?
2: Uh, I have had six that have been within 50 yards. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. Wow. All right, then. We're ready. Go ahead and uh, so, start, uh, start yeah, giving us, us some, some info there, bud.
2: I guess I've, I've been interested in Bigfoot all my life, um, ever since I was a kid. And I've often seen things in the woods um, growing up when I was out hunting with my dad and never really put two and two together uh while back uh i'm gonna say probably 20 years ago my aunt married a gentleman um that used to live like right up the street from where i grew up and i was friends with his son and never even knew the gentleman that that he went out and did bigfoot investigations until he married my aunt and when he married my aunt, I started talking to me a little bit more about it. And, of course, I the curiosity was always there. But by this time, I was already, you know, I curiosity was there all my life. And then all of a sudden, here I am at 30 years old. And I've got a new uncle, and he's into Bigfoot. So I learn a few things and start hearing things. And, you know, start getting more and more interested in it. And I, I guess that's pretty much what got the bug into me. Um, that was probably early nineties when the bug really hit me and I got more curious about it. So,
1: so before that, Mike, did you, did you know about believe in or ever hear of Bigfoot? I mean,
2: Oh, I, I'd heard of them. You know, I, I grew up from like five years old. I mean, listening to Bigfoot tales, I'd watch them on TV when they came on or, I'd look in a book about them, see different things. And, you know, it it always had my interest, but I never thought it was something that was here in Maine.
1: Mike, before we get started um, further, tell us about the state of Maine. I always thought, when when people say Maine, I think kind of rolling prairies and hills and beautiful scenery, but I don't think that's the layout. Is it more woodsy than most people think?
2: Actually, Maine has the... acreage the one is one of the largest forested states in this country of the United States Wow okay there the Alleagash territory up north is um, just huge there's there's nothing up there there's trees there's woods when there's,
3: you, and you know I... the
2: streams and the mountains and the Very few people.
1: When you and I talked earlier uh, before this episode about, you know, doing this episode, you would, you would mention that to me. And I was looking on a map and I was like, wow, you're just right there by Canada. And it's all heavy, dense woods. If you look at a satellite map of your state, it's, it's really dense all over.
2: Oh, it is. It is. And, and a lot of the territory up here um, is pine. A lot of what we have for trees, we have a lot of pine. Mm Mm-hmm. So that makes the canopy really thick and dense, like you said, and I know out in California you get the redwoods they're you know basically the same thing, but they're just huge. We don't have them that big, so picture a redwood tree smaller and closer together, and that's the thickness of the woods I mean it's wow. literally sometimes yeah, you're in there and it's just very difficult to walk
1: i i can imagine um i've so been there's a lot of a lot of hiding places in there
2: a lot of hiding places a a very lot of hiding places i mean i go out in the woods um i'm literally stepping out of my vehicle walking across a pasture where i typically hunt and there's woods on both sides and fields and I can hear a car pass by, but if I'm in the woods, I'm seeing nothing but trees. I'm seeing the birds. I'm seeing the animals. You know, that's it. You can't. You can't physically see two to three hundred yards through the woods. You can only see you wow. know thirty forty yards in the woods. A lot of times,
1: if that right, if that. Well, why don't you go ahead and start with a. Uh tell us your encounters and and what happened with your first one. And you can walk us into what you're doing, what led up to it and uh, all that good stuff.
2: Well, I mean, I think my first encounter and I didn't realize this until I really got into this um, to the point where I'm at now was I was, I'm going to say 16 years old in 1982. Um, And I was out in a patch of woods, uh, it's a five-mile square patch, a lot of magnesium in the ground, and I was sitting in a tree stand by myself. Uh, i just gotten out of the junior hunting license into the regular hunting license so I could hunt alone, so I didn't have to sit with my dad. Okay. And in the center of this square, five miles out, um, is a large swamp. And we have hunted, we had hunted that, you know, all my life up to that point. You know, every time we'd gone, that's where I'd gone hunting. What
1: kind of, so you hunting deer or?
2: You we were hunting deer. Yeah. And out there, you're pretty much, there's nobody anywhere near. Um, you'll see a person pass by once in a while. Typically, it's a lost hunter. Um, They've gotten lost in the compass, you know. Getting stuck in the swamp, and they've gotten lost. And you know, I I was smart enough, wise enough to learn from my dad and my grandfather, and I knew the woods. That patch of woods like the back of my hand. So, I chose to sit in the very first tree stand that we built um, out there on the path coming in, and basically we built a tripod tree stand out of the trees out in the woods. <clears throat> Probably you know a month or two ahead of schedule, and you know they'd been there for years, so I chose that stand um typically, it's maybe a hundred yards off the swamp, and uh, there's always been a lot of deer activity coming out right there, so I chose that one, had a little bit they had done some logging in there, a little bit more clear as far as where they'd logged, you know, I could see a hundred yards. 150 yards in places. So I, I sat there, and my father always told me, if you shoot a deer, um, wait 15 minutes, whistle, and I'll come over. So I was sitting there. It was probably about mid-morning, and I had a deer go by. Um, I took aim at it, shot the deer. The deer went down, got back up, ran. I watched it go on the path that it went. Um, it went up and around me. Um, going up towards the ridge area and it came back in to the right of my tree stand and I heard it fall so I waited to 15 minutes whistled and my dad come along and before he came along probably about five maybe eight minutes before he came along um I saw what looked to be a person um walking on the same path the deer had been on, and it was walking slowly. Um, It looked like it had a a darker colored clothing, maybe like camouflage type clothing on it. It was about 110 yards out from my tree stand um, as it was going up through, and I was picking it up through the patches of brush as it was walking along, and it followed the direction of the deer. And, you know, it crossed a couple of spots, shooting lanes that I had. Uh, <clears> out. <throat> and I noticed when it went across the shooting lanes that, you know, this thing looked much larger than my father.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I said, well, geez, that's, that's an awful big guy. And I just kind of let it be. And I took note and I said, well, he's not wearing any orange. He's supposed to be wearing orange. He's probably some just local person that got lost out here. And, you know, that was my thought at the time. Okay. And uh, I said, "Well, oh, big guy, though. So he should be OK. I, you know, we'll yell for him after and stuff. And yeah. Um, I watched him go in the same direction to where I lost sight of the deer and where I heard the deer fall. Um, My father came along, I pointed him in the direction of where I'd shot, he immediately found blood, uh, followed the blood trail, same direction as this person had walked up and around, followed it to the spot off to the right, maybe 100 yards up from my tree stand where I'd heard the thing fall, and there was a pool of blood there, but the deer was just gone. There was no deer, no person, no nothing. Uh, So my father said, well, he must have stole your deer because it's gone. But there was no drag marks from where the deer was pulled out. And there was no evidence of anything that the deer had just gotten up and walked away. There was no more tracks. The tracks stopped right there and the pool of blood was right there but there was no deer
1: mike how far away from your tree stand (laughs) was the uh pool of blood basically
2: about 100 yards it it had worked its way up and around you know Mm -hmm. i like i said the trails come up and around and in some spots there was you know 100 150 yards in my shooting lanes And, you know, I could see it through the vegetation as it was going up through. And it crossed the same place the deer did, about 110 yards out. That's where I had taken the shot. And the trail goes up and around. The trail was ranged anywhere between 75 and 100 yards going up and around me. So it was on the trail, maybe 100. it, It was 100 yards out on the trail going to my right like it was circling to try to get back down to the swamp. Okay. That's where I had my first encounter with a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot um, or what Native Americans up here call them is Pamula. Pamula. One of the words, Pamula. Um, Some of the other Native Americans up here will call them Wendigo.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, A lot of Bigfoot people will say Wendigo is more of a spiritual type creature. Right. Okay. Um,
0: That's what I've I always have seen.
2: a lot of theories on all this stuff. You know, there's no proof of what's what or anything in this cryptid world. Um, right. It's ma- mainly theories. And right. we go on what we've seen and what we've heard and so on and so forth. So, anyway, that was my first encounter. And over the years, as I grew up and I was out hunting, I'd seen different things and had different occurrences I had uh, one morning in I think probably 94 I'd left uh, a trailer that I was renting uh, at the time with my current wife at that time and uh, I made a left and my father owned a store that I would go down and open up in the morning make the coffee And where I turned left, 100 yards down the road, there's a four-way intersection. Right after the four-way intersection is the farm that I typically hunt on, and the deer cross all the time um, on the main road. So I was being cautious, uh, going slow, never thought anything of it. I got just past the intersection, and I saw what I thought was a deer come out of the ditch on my right, going to the left, going out to the field where I hunt. And I was like, okay, there's going to be another one. I slowed down some more, and all of a sudden something stepped out into the road, and all I could see was pretty much legs in front of the car. I was in a little Honda Accord, Uh, no, (laughs) Prelude, a little Honda Prelude at that time, and it was literally, the knees were at the height of the hood, and it was only two legs. At first, I thought moose because of the size, but then I realized it was only two legs, and it was really foggy that morning. That's why I was going slow. Okay. So I look out across the hood. I see the first year go by. I'm expecting a second year. And all of a sudden there's a pair of legs that first was moose. And then when I went, oh, what is that? It was only two legs. And it made the strides. You know, of course, my headlights were on. It was still dark. Headlights are on. So I see this thing go across. And it's like one footstep from. The edge of the road to three quarters of the way across in front of my car and two more footsteps to the field. And I was like, What in the Jesus was that? Wow. And you know, by this time my aunt had married my uncle and then I went, Oh, wait, I know what that is. Maybe I've just had my first sighting not realizing <laughs> that years before I'd already had the sighting. Right. Um, so I kind of put that in the back of my mind, so, to my uncle about it the next time I saw him.
1: Can I, can I ask you a quick question? So yep. from the time you were hunting when you were, said you were, what, 16 <clears throat> years old, and you saw the figure walking toward or, or chasing the deer that you shot. Yep. Up until that, this incident you're talking about now, did you ever once think that was a Bigfoot when you saw when you were hunting when you were sixteen? You always thought it was a man.
2: No, I never, I never, never thought about it. Okay, because it wasn't something I was. It wasn't a hobby I had every day. So, right. you know, if I saw something and I,
1: what did your dad say well, about it? That? Did he did he ever say anything about it about you know <clears throat> the deer the deer coming up missing and stuff? He was there, right? He.
2: No no, he never said anything. He just he thought that somebody had you know, whoever the guy was had grabbed a deer and dragged it away and was gonna tag it and so on and so forth. Okay. Um, so you know, it it never registered to me. Right. And I had other incidences in between, you know, eighty two and ninety whatever, three or 94 because my daughter was born in 93 and it was just after she was born um so i mean i never registered to me Hmm. even at that incident until you saw this in front of the car
1: yeah yeah so and then and then what
2: so i didn't think nothing of it kept doing my normal thing and had things happen every now and then that were odd in the woods um Back when I was hunting, when I was 16, I often would be sitting out there in the woods and I would have a smell, you know, kind of, I describe it as it smells kind of like a wet dog and somebody pumping out a septic system,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but you're two and half so miles well. out in the middle of a five-mile yeah. square.
1: I've heard that before.
2: Mm-hmm. You're not going to smell that out there.
1: On a scale of one to 10, how bad is that smell to you? Was it close oh, or...
2: Jesus, it, it'd be close to a 10. Okay. It's, wow. just, it's, it's horrible. It curls your nose. Hmm. Um,
1: makes you want to vomit or something, maybe?
2: Well, sometimes if the wind's just right and it's blowing towards you and it's really strong. I
0: can imagine. Yeah.
2: yeah. It'll, it'll make you want to vomit. Um, so, hey, you know, this this incident in 94 kind of got my curiosity a little more. Um. Then there happened to be a weekend that uh, I decided to have my parents go away. They hadn't had a vacation. I was on vacation. I said, I'll run the store. Um, And my cousin was going to help me along with my girlfriend at the time and his wife. So we were going to run the place, the store, and his house was right across the street. So I was staying at the house, and my cousin was coming over, and we would run the store during the day. And we made a special up to the house one night, and uh, we just—it was kind of strange because we're sitting there, we're cooking, it's getting warm, so we go outside off off the steps in the front. Uh, of the house and my wife and or my girlfriend and my his girlfriend both of them were our future wives and um, they had sitting in my sister's old bedroom um, at the end of the house, at the end of the hallway and all of a sudden his girlfriend yells out, screaming so we were just outside, the door. of course we come in and she comes down, and she's literally just using her hands, and she's beating on his chest and screaming at him, "How dare you look in that window with a gorilla mask on and glowing red eyes?" <laughs> I was like, "What are you talking about?" She so she went on to tell us, grabbed a shotgun, go out the door with my cousin. Now he's six foot four, he weighs. 210, 220. So, you know, big guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we get around the end of the house and we're looking and I'm yelling into the woods. I said, I don't know who you are, but you come out of them woods and you try to pull this scare shit again. I get a gun, I'm going to shoot you. Um, pardon my language. No, you're fine. That's so, right. I'm sitting there and I'm yelling that and my cousin's yelling some stuff as well. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I looked left. Okay, so here I am. I'm looking like this, talking to my cousin. I'm six foot. He's six foot four. So I'm looking up a little bit. And then I look left. And the window's not here. The window's up there. And I stood under the window, and I put my arm up. So, you know, with my arm up, I'm eight foot tall. I barely touched the bottom sill of the window. I said to my cousin, I says, Sean. He said, yes. I says. Could you have put a girl a mask on and looked in the center of that window? <coughs> yeah, pardon me. So he looked up and he went, no. And I said, did she say that it was staring in the center of the window? And he says, yeah. She said I was standing in the center of the window. My face was in the center of the window with a gorilla mask on and glowing red eyes. I said, well, I don't see a stepladder. And I don't see any other way to put a face in the middle of that window, do you? And he said, no. And I said, I don't think whatever is that. Paul is going to even flinch with a little shotgun blast.
3: He said,
2: <laughs> no, I think we better go inside. So we went inside. <laughs> and, you know, that was, that was kind of a, like a, an aha moment. And I learned, I, I told it to my uncle, and he's like, well, you know, it looked in the window. You had one that looked in the window. And then I got talking to my girlfriend, and she remembers seeing a black figure out on the back lawn that my mother thought was a black bear. She said it came out of the woods walking on two and ran across the back lawn on four. So, (laughs) you know, my curiosity was piqued. A couple of years later, I'm hunting in my tree stand on the property where I saw one walk in front of the car. And it's about 100 yards down to the brook. There was nothing. I had seen nothing. I had heard nothing. There was nothing moving. It was dead silent that day. Um, I was in a blind that I had built for my dad that I had put on the edge of this field. And I said, well, I'm going to go out for lunch. I made a phone call on my cell phone called, got lunch ordered at his old store because he was retired and he had sold the store. And I started down the ladder and I took probably four steps down the ladder and I looked over and, oh my God, I said, what is that at the brook? There was a black human-shaped body down at the brook at 100 yards. And it was literally crouched over and I could see it doing something, and then I could hear a clack, a clack, and it turned a little bit. And I could see it had like a rock, rocks in its hand. And I was like, "What?" In the? So of course, I didn't have my binoculars; they were up in the in the blind. Uh, I had my rifle, but I, you know, I'm not going to take my rifle on a ladder and try to look at it through the scope. So I slowly climbed back up, watching it the whole way. And I maybe lost sight of it 30 seconds. When I got to that point where I had to open the door and get into the blind, by the time I got into the blind, it was gone. Wow. wow. I went down and I did find a footprint um, down there. There was a couple of footprints right along the brook. Uh, They were somewhere around 13, 14 inches in length.
0: Did you have a camera with you?
2: No, I didn't have a camera with me. And my cell phone was just a a flip phone with no camera on it. Um, Didn't have any money for anything real expensive with good cameras, you know. So I just got something cheap that worked for work. And uh, I get out of there, one ate lunch. Then we hit 2010. This is where my interest really threw through the roof. Um, this is a story I told Todd the other day. Uh, I went and I had an expanded archery license. Um, people will tell you, you know, you have to have big woods for these creatures. Uh, you don't have to have big woods. You don't have to be in the middle of nowhere. I was hunting within what they call urban city limits of a town, real local to where I am here. Um, They had made expanded archery zones because the deer population was getting so big. So they made this expanded archery zone because archery, you can shoot within the city limits and you're not endangering anybody. So with these zones, you're actually within city limits, and this particular property happened to be a piece of property that had been in a family for a long time. It was 700 acres along a river, um, roads bordering every every side of it, and we were allowed to hunt in a certain area of the property. It was one area, you know, 100 acres around the farm you couldn't hunt. So I had chose this one property because you came off the road, you went up a gravel road across a brook out into a field, a back field. It was a half a mile into the back end of the field. And uh, they had been planting corn in there. So I knew there was a lot of deer around and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, you know looking at this thing and I called the guy I got his permission I'm I'm in there I'm hunting now I've spent some money on my licenses so I'm bound to determine I'm going to hunt and it just so happens my place where I work happens to be like a mile and a half from this place so I get out one day and I had set my tree stand up ahead of time and it was a climbing tree stand And I set up off a little brook, um, probably maybe only 75 yards into the woods. And I, I was always in utter amazement that I could walk into this place without having to crouch down after I got past the initial brush line on the outside edge of it. It was like when you got inside, there was paths that went through there that were probably about three and a half, four feet wide, you know, littered with deer tracks, um, beat right down to the mud. There wasn't a branch on the inside of that trail on any tree. You could look down through 200 yards on this trail and there wasn't a branch up to eight, nine, 10 feet up. But the other side of the trees were always littered with branches really thick. So I made my way in and I get in my tree stand that day. So just just as I get in there and I'm, I hoist my bow up. I'm settling in and I'm kind of getting ready and listening around, um, looking around, seeing what's where I can see, how far I can see, and stuff. Um, because some of the fall foliage is fallen at this point, and uh, it's it's. Gotten a little bit more of a vision, a view. I'm sitting and I hear kind of like a a ruffling or a shuffling noise to my left. I look over um, and I look around down there. I'm not seeing anything. And as I'm looking, I hear the shuffling noise again. And then I realize it's not on the ground, it's in the tree. 20 yards away, there's a tree with a Y crotch in it. And I look and I can see what looks to be the back of a person. Um, I can see the outline of the head. I can see the outline of the back. It looks like this is when that new leafy camouflage was coming out. And it, oh, yeah. it looks like that's what they're wearing. And I'm, I'm completely baffled, you know. Uh, my tree stands right here. Why would you put up in a tree there? Well, I didn't think nothing of it. I said, well, you know, I'm not going to yell out. I'm not going to go give this guy hell. He's just trying to hunt. Maybe he didn't see. So I decided I was just going to be quiet, stay sitting there. You know, all afternoon I sat there and watched for about two and a half hours before it started getting dark. And, you know, I'd hear him move every now and then. And I was like, geez, I wish this guy would stop moving and you know, be a little bit more quiet. And I was sitting there. And just as it started to get dark when the deer are actually moving through, they're heading for the corn. Um, I heard a snap to my right. So I slowly turned to look. And as I'm turning to look, I hear a thud to my left. I'm like, don't tell me this guy is choosing now to get out of here. Sure enough, I turn and I look, and all I can see is this big person walking away, swinging his arms, headed for the thickest part of that woods that was right there. And I'm like, really? Really? (laughs) dude what are you doing so he gets out of sight and of course I have to climb down so I undo the tree stand I climb down I'm going to catch this guy I am mad I am going to catch him I'm going to give him a piece of my mind you know I I know he probably did it by accident but really you don't it's not to the time that is ready to go out yet
1: okay let me ask Let me ask you a question, Mike. So when he was in the tree, he was camouflaged? Yeah, he was wearing what what appeared to you as camouflage.
2: It, what appeared to be as camouflage,
1: like green, brown. It kind of he kind of mixed. Yeah, it, it was the tree a brownish the,
2: colored camouflage, like if if you look at like mossy oak,
1: like the
0: mossy oak. Yeah. Like,
2: so when he like the mossy oak, okay, but back at at that point in two thousand and ten, the mossy oak leafy was coming out. I mm-hmm. think is what they called it. So the material was broke up to look like little leaves fluttering in right. the yep. breeze.
1: When, so when he jumped out and walked away, did he still look like he had the same cover on, or did he look different to you?
2: He, he looked like he had something that was just, I hadn't seen it before. Okay. I thought it was kind of like a cool camouflage. I said, well, yeah, yeah, kind of cool. But dude, you just pissed me off. So I, I go to go out of the property, and of course, everybody that hunts there has to have a permission slip. So I'm going to go see who he is, because it's one of the requirements of the property owner. If you see somebody else, you got to ask them who they are and if they have permission and all that. So I'm going to go catch this guy. You know, he's ruined my afternoon, and I'm going to catch him. So I go out, and there, of course, as I said, there was a stream that you had to come across on that tote road. Now, the stream completely separates that field and that wooded area from the road that I come in from. The only way to get across the stream, we're talking a 15-foot wide stream here, is to go across the culverts on the tote road. So thinking he's going through this thick brush, and he's headed towards the road. I'm going to go straight into the field and take the road in the center of the field and come down. And I will be meeting him at my vehicle. Yep. I rush out. There's nobody there. I don't see him on the road. I don't see him on, on the tote road. And I don't see him on the main road. I drive up and down, back and forth for 15, 20 minutes looking for this person. There's no person. So I said, well, I hope he's not there tomorrow. I went in the next day, and I did walk over to the tree where I had seen him in. Mm -hmm. Well, there was no marks from a tree stand going up. There was no screw-in pegs. There was no marks showing that he had a ladder stand on it. There was no tree stand. So I was like... Wow, what is that? Uh, how, how does he get up there? How, mm-hmm. You know, Let alone, how did he jump the 20 feet down onto the ground? Right. I said, well, I'm here to hunt. I'm going to hunt. I climbed in my tree stand, and I was probably there 20, 25 minutes. And I heard a snap. And when I say a snap, Take a baseball bat and break it on something. The snap that you hear of the baseball bat breaking, that's what I heard.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it literally jumped me. And I said, What in the? And then whap, right against my tree that I was in, I looked down and there is a branch. Had to be the three to four inches in thickness snapped right off and leaning against my tree
1: so something snapped a branch and threw it at your tree
2: threw it at my tree so i slowly turned to try to figure out where it was coming from and probably about 75 yards behind me there was a old rock wall fence that was the line of this property on the other side of that fence they had clear cut a few years before so it was a lot of brush and it had grown up but I see what looks to be maybe a human but it's not carrying any hunting equipment it's real black in color and I looking at it trying to figure out what it is and it takes a step well it takes a step And then it stops, and it turns its whole body. It's not turning its head. It's turning its whole body. And I'm noticing there's virtually... I'm thinking, you know, this is some kind of camouflage, and the material that comes down over the head that goes down and meets the shoulders is hiding the movement of the neck. But then I realize that it's the whole body turning... And looking, the neck isn't moving. There really isn't a neck. So I've. Wow. <laughs> now I'm kind of, you know, uh, shaking, looking at my bow, going, I don't think whatever that is, this would hurt it. So I try to judge the height. And I'm looking at it walking. Um and, you know, and I've walked around along that edge before. So I kind of got the idea of how high the trees are. And there's some little pines that it's going to go by. And they're probably about eight feet tall. And it starts walking by them. It takes a step and it looks around. takes a step and looks around. As it gets to the pines, it takes a step and it goes from one side of the pine to the other side of the pine. And it's really brushy. It's probably about four and a half feet across. And it takes a step from this side of the the left side of the pine to the right side of the pine. And I'm seeing it in one step. And I notice when it goes by the pine, the top of the head is higher than the pine. Hmm. Like, well, that is something that is probably between eight and a half and nine feet tall. And I'm really, you know, now I'm really nervous. It's that branch was thrown by this thing. Probably seventy-five yards from behind me, and landed at my tree. And this thing's as thick as a baseball bat. Okay, the end of a baseball bat, like I said, three to four inches in thickness, and it's laying there. And we're talking a branch that's you know six eight feet in length, and this thing was thrown the seventy-five yards and hit my tree.
1: So are you thinking and, big, are you thinking Bigfoot at this time? I mean.
2: I'm thinking this is uh probably bigfoot, and I'm freaking out.
1: Are you scared?
2: oh i I was shaking a little bit, yeah, uh, so I said, you know, I think this is what I saw yesterday, and I'm thinking as I'm watching it and i i I had the opportunity here's here's the best part. I had the opportunity to watch this thing for almost 10 minutes before oh. it got out of sight. It would take a step, it would stop, it would look around, it would stand there for, you know, 30 seconds, and then it would take another step.
0: And Did you get, did you get a good look at its face?
2: Yeah, it was, a you know, when it turned, it was a very flat, leathery type face it was a very dark in color um there didn't appear to be hardly anything for a nose it kind of to me um i i related it to a a friend of mine that when i was growing up he had a a problem with his nose so his nose was pretty much flattened right into his face and that was the first thing i thought i'm like it kind of looks like you know my buddy, and I, I, thinking his name, and I'm like, but that ain't human, and it's not him. Wow. He's not that tall.
1: So you fixated on the nose was the thing that that you noticed first, and you related that to your friend, who was, you saying, was it like a boxer's nose kind of look?
2: Um, uh, to me, it, it looked if if you were to compare it to a gorilla real flat Mm -hmm. and the snouts kind of turned out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it had maybe a little bit of a rise to it, but the snout was kind of the nostrils were kind of turned outwards.
1: Were they more human or more
2: ape-like nose? Uh, um, To me, to me, it was more of an ape-like, ape-like nose. Okay. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I related it to my friend. He had, he had a birth defect that his nose was literally, he had no ridge line on it, so it laid flat, and it flared out his nostrils. Mm-hmm. Wow! So that that's what it looked like to me, and I watched this thing until it got out of sight, and it was only three o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, I kept thinking to myself as I'm watching it because it would stop, and you know even as it's getting away from me it would stop and turn its whole body all the way around and look directly in the direction I was in. So as soon as it was gone out of sight, I undid everything, climbed down, rushed off to my vehicle with my tree stand and all and said, I'm not, I'm not hunting this property again. I did end up talking to my uncle. He said, well, it just doesn't want you in that location.
0: Just that spot. That's what I was thinking. It,
2: so I wonder why. I said, well, I, that's his
1: spot. I, what's his there, spot. That, I, what's uh, there that he doesn't want you to be to be doing?
2: Is it near I don't know. Could it be near his family? Maybe maybe near maybe, near maybe you're in a good
1: deer run where he wants to hunt too.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I, I said, mm-hmm. Okay. You know, my uncle talked to me a little bit about it. And I said, Well I can go on the back side of that property. If I go all the way out, because I was literally 200 yards from my truck once I hit the field. Okay. So I said, if I go to the back side of the property, it's a little over half a mile out. The way the field was planted was you came up the road. And the road went up the center. The field kind of went uphill and then went downhill to a tree line in the back. And on both sides of the road going up, there was corn planted. And at the very peak of the hill, there was corn planted down over. So you would follow the road up the center. Make a left and the road went to the tree line and then you could walk the edge of the corn around the back. Well, when you get around the back, there was two snowmobile trails that come out that are used in the wintertime for the snowmobiles. And each one of them come out on the back side of that corn and that, you know, out of that back wood line. The furthest one over to the right, if you were looking directly in from the road actually opens to like the field. There's a portion of the field that they couldn't plant because there's a heavy ditch that runs across it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So they would plant the corn to that. And I said, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to take my hunting blind and I'm going to go set up on the backside. Cause I had scouted all this out ahead of time. I'm going to go sit on the backside of that, cornfield because the pines just probably 60 70 yards to the right of where you go into the second um, snowmobile trail turn into oaks so there's a lot of deer that travel through there Mm -hmm. so i said i'm going to go back there i went back i set up my blind just off the snowmobile trail where i could get a shot at anything coming up the trail and I had a deal trail off to my left as well. <coughs> Sorry. You're fine. And uh, I sat down, and got all settled into my blind and my chair, and it's beautiful day out. Beautiful fall day. But I didn't hear a bird, a squirrel, nothing. Nothing was moving. So it was like, was like everything was just suddenly dead.
1: What was that, Brian?
0: So, so he was not alone.
2: <laughs> like it. Mm. So I was probably there for 20, 25 minutes, and there was no noises. So I said, well, maybe it's September. It's a little warm. Maybe they're not moving. <clears throat> but then I hear a smack almost like a deer hitting his horns on a tree um and you know knowing the area i know it's to my southeast so i'm kind of peeking up the back of the blind thinking maybe it's a deer you know trying to get the velvet off his horns and i'm curious to see how big this buck is so i keep peeking nothing and i keep hearing a smacking and it's moving it's moving from my southeast into my east and then into the northeast <clears throat> i finally stop hearing it and it's probably about a half an hour before total darkness so i wait and like 5 minutes before darkness i pack up my blind Put my chair on my blind, put it on my back, on my headlamp, on my hat, and I start hiking out. Get to the field. There's nothing. I've got all my arrows knocked. You know, I'm, I'm done for the day. I've had a good day. I get to the second snowmobile trail, and a rock, a little bit bigger than a softball, comes flying by my face.
0: Oh, shit. Literally...
2: <laughs> literally inches in front of my face. Wow. I watch it land in the corn. And I turned to the right and I yelled. I said, hey, I don't know who you are, but if you were to hit me with a rock like that, it would probably kill me. Yeah. And I no sooner get those words out, another one about the same size comes flying by my face again. So now I'm a little PO'd. I screamed some insinities in at it, said (laughs) I was knocking an arrow, and that if it threw another rock in my direction, I was going to start slinging arrows into the woods. I don't care who you are. If you're trying to kill me with a rock, I'm going to defend myself. Sure. And I no sooner said that than this growling-type noise came out of the woods to my right. And by this time I'm turned to the right and I'm looking and I hear the growling start out low and then it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden I'm feeling vibrations through my body and I'm like in total awe. And Holy crap. Now I'm thinking this is the same thing that probably chased me. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I'm out of here. I went to turn, and as I went to turn, the growling's still going on. I still feel the vibrations coming through my body, and I can see 10 yards off to my right, in the woods, a tree about the thickness of a telephone pole, about 40 feet in height, just start rocking back and forth. I mean...
0: (laughs) time to go oh yeah time to run faster
2: it's it's time to run Uh, Uh, i'm not an athlete but i ran i and i ran and i ran and as i'm running as i started to run i could hear it start to walk and it was like it was stomping its feet on the ground so i knew it was there i would take Six to eight running steps and hear one of its footfalls. And this thing followed me out and around the field. I hit the road to go out to my car. And as I hit the road, I could hear it paralleling me in the corn. Okay, so I kept going down the road, and I went across the culverts, and I mean, we're talking culverts for this stream. I Remember, I said this stream is 15 feet wide. These culverts are eight feet in diameter. There's two of them side by side. I'm running. At the end of the bottom of the field where you start into the tote road, there's a hill, that a slight hill on the right-hand side that goes up through some really thick pines and then down a steep embankment to the brook. I hear this thing the whole way with the footfalls. I get beyond the brook and as I get beyond the brook, I hear one splash, one splash in that brook. And then I hear the footfalls on the other side of that brook. And I get to my car and now I know I need to get the hell out of here. So I'm bound and determined that I'm not going to throw my bow and arrow, you know, it's a thousand dollar bow. (laughs) I don't want to ruin this thing. Right. All right. As I'm running up to the truck, I'm ripping the blind and the chair off my back. I'm tossing it into the back end of the pickup truck. I don't even care if it lands in the pickup truck at this point. I get on the other side of my pickup. I'm holding the bow. I'm looking in a fanny pack for my keys. And I look literally 15 feet in the woods on the other side of my pickup truck. I can see this thing, this large black bulk. And the light that I had on my hat, I can see it rocking back and forth. It's moving its body this way and looking out. Moving his body this way and looking out, and at the same time, it's stomping. Well, wow. That kicked me into yeah, high gear. I wasn't getting time into to go, that fanny yeah. pack. <laughs> I wasn't getting into that fanny pack fast enough, so I took that ball, and I just chunked it into the back. I don't care if you break. <laughs> Ripped open the fanny pack, found my keys, tore out of there. Amazing.
1: <laughs> Mike, that is that wow. is amazing. That's great. I, my stay
2: yeah, I called my <laughs> uncle the next day. Of course, I'm in a panic still at that time. And yeah. He starts talking to me more about it. And he said, well, when you want to learn, come over and see me. So I, you know, probably about, you know, now my interest is really into this. So I start reading up and watching the videos online. And, you know, I'm I'm okay with it. I don't know if I want to go chase him yet. Mm. Um, two years later, a buddy of mine who just hes just passed away, um, 35 years old, he passed away. Wow. And I took him, he wanted to go out on that property and go hunting. So we went two fields over, almost a mile away, um, and the field was right off the road. Literally, there was corn planted from the road to the backwood line. We went out there. I said I would hunt out there with him. Now, he was a man that would never, 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 never carry a gun with him. He was bow and arrow. You know, if I'm bow and arrow hunting, I don't need a gun. So we go out there. He sets up on the back edge of the corn where three roads come out of the woods. Um, There's a ravine directly behind him. I'm going to take the road off to his left It goes right straight back into the woods because I found a spot in there that cleared out, and I can put my tree stand. I go in there. I'm sitting there. And, of course, inside the woods, it gets darker a little earlier. So I'm in there, and I had a couple deer come by. I took a shot at them. Wasn't quite dark yet. So I took the shot. Um, the deer ducked the arrow. So I climbed down, retrieved my arrow, and I looked around. I said, well, it's getting a little too dark for me to see in here. I'll go see if he's seen anything. I go out. I get to the edge of the field where he's at. And I says, you see anything? He says, no, just some douchebag. I said, what? (laughs) He says, yeah, some douchebag. He came up out of the ravine behind me. Walked right up onto the edge of the corn. And he says, he's standing there in full, some kind of camouflage. He says, I think it was a ghillie suit. And he says, he's standing there and he doesn't have any hunting equipment. And I yelled out to him to see, you know, if he had permission to be on the property. He just kind of turned his whole body, looked at me and turned and walked into the corn. I said, how long ago was this? He says, just before you walked out of the woods. I'm looking, I'm like, you know, I I said, you know, this is dark. (laughs) He walked into the corn. This guy's going to get lost if he's got nothing, you know, no way to see through the corn. We're talking 600 yards across this corn.
1: Mike, and, and all these, and all these incidences, uh, how tall do you think these things were? I mean, do you think, and do you think you saw the same one over and over? Or do you think it was different ones? First, or what?
2: The first day, then the crotch of the tree, it was right around seven feet tall. Okay. Second day, like I said, was somewhere between eight and nine feet because it went by the pine. And I know that was eight feet tall mm-hmm. and I could see the top of the head. Um, the, one, the one that chased me, I know was at least nine feet tall. So here I am, I'm oh. talking to him at the edge of the corn. And I says, do you know the direction he went in? I mean, maybe we should try to help him. He says, yeah, I know where he is. He's right there. I can see him. <laughs> I said, you can see him? He says, yeah, he's about 200 yards out. He says, I can see his head. Over the corn. Over the corn. And I'm, I'm thinking, wait a minute here. <laughs> I look at the corn. And I'm looking up at the top of the stalks. I said, you can see his head. He says, yep. I said, okay. Well, I guess he'll be okay. So let's go. So he climbs down and we get out of there. My first thought when I get out of there was, I know what that was. And I'm not going to hunt in there anymore. I went back the next morning um, I didn't have to be into work until like nine o'clock. I went out first sunlight. Soon as there was enough light for me to see, I hiked in there and I was going to get my tree stand and get the hell out of there. I didn't care if he hunted there anymore, but I wasn't. I got to the backwood line where his tree stand was. It was already gone. He had already come out and taken that tree stand and left. Wow. From that point on, I never saw that man not carry a forty-five on his side in the woods. I asked him about it. Yeah, that'll do it. He refused to talk about it. He refused to say it was what he saw, and that was all there was to it. You ain't going to get me to tell anything.
1: Right. (laughs) Well Michael, we love your wow. stories. We appreciate you coming on yeah, here. Yeah, man, this is awesome. Uh so amazing <laughs> and and hopefully we can get you back on soon. We want to we want to wrap up soon, but I got I have a couple questions for you real quick if you don't mind me asking you. Okay. You obviously believe in Bigfoot now. Yes. Um what do you think do you think Bigfoot is a physical flesh and blood creature, or do you think there's more to it than that? Do you think there's more spiritual things going on or where do you think Bigfoot come from? How do you think you know, give me your whole philosophy on it? You've seen it yeah. several times, so
2: that that whole question um is a a question that's uh kinda like a, a can of worms. When you open it up, You know, it's gonna look like it's flesh and blood. And if you were able to touch it, it's like flesh and blood. But somehow they seem to magically disappear or suddenly appear. Um, They're, I don't know exactly what they are. Uh, and, And, you know, in my opinion, I know there's a lot of people that are supposed experts in this out in the field. Um, In my opinion, there is no experts. Until somebody can sit down with these creatures to see their habits, see how they survive, see how they live, um, is able to touch them, is able to see what they can do until that point. To me, they're flesh and blood of some type. However, do they have knowledge or things that we don't possess? Do they have an ability to, you know, as people say, cloak themselves, do they have an ability to do like a chameleon perhaps change the pigmentation of their skin to blend in with their background, which makes them look like they disappear. Um, Are their feet like ours? Or are they like a dogs? Do they have a pad on the bottom? Is that why they walk so quietly? Until somebody is able to sit down and observe all that and actually get that feel on them, they are whatever anybody thinks they are. They could be mystical beasts, they could be a spirit. They could be flesh and blood like us. But until we get to that point where we physically sit down and actually are able to observe these things for a period of time and learn about them, they the only thing we can relate them to is a physical beast. They leave the footprints. They seem to have the same motions as a human or an ape of some type. They seem to... Be able to have the sense of smell that a creature in the wild would have, and the eyesight a creature in the wild would have—you know, far more keen than ours.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I'm I'm going to lean on the t- side of flesh okay. and blood until some somebody proves it different.
1: Sure, sure. Yes. Well, that's that's a great philosophy, Michael. Mike, we appreciate you coming on and talking about your uh, episode, or your encounter, sorry. Um, yeah, man. We'd love to get you back on, too, if you if you run any more. It sounds like where you're at, you Sounds might... like you're in a hot spot. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely sounds like you're <laughs> in a hot spot. Maybe we well, should come pay you
0: a to, visit sometime. We're going to have to come visit you.
2: <laughs> well, you know, um, that's just a few of the encounters. Um, we've actually, myself and another lady who had an encounter at 10 years old, she physically turned around and was face to face with one of these things, uh, probably about 10 feet away from her. Wow. Um, Wow. We We got to get her on the show too. We, yeah, Yeah, we give her
0: our name (laughs) uh,
2: interviews with people who do investigations up here. And, you know, to us, it seemed more like they were just trying to get that YouTube video out there and make some money off of it. And, You know, they really didn't care after they got the story. Um, And between her and I, we both had started groups, and we were just kind of like, well, you know, we joined together, and a lady asked us to investigate a sighting that she had on her property between Bigfoot and the Mountain Lion, and she was curious if she was safe or not, if they ran together. So we went out, and we did her and myself and another gentleman we went out
1: and investigated well michael we appreciate you coming on and telling your stories man it's been awesome having you and we definitely want to get you back on here and telling more stories because it sounds like you have a lot more to talk about but uh yeah for sure yeah we appreciate appreciate you coming on
2: no no problem no problem anytime i mean we're we've developed a group up here in maine like i was saying and uh we're actually banking a nonprofit foundation, and we're doing investigations.
0: Yeah, I want to. I want to get into more of that too. So, yeah, we definitely want to have you back on because I want to hear more about that. Sure. sure.
2: Oh yeah. What's That's the name? Absolutely. What's the name
1: of your um, of your foundation? Or your, yeah, your group. It's
2: it's Main Bigfoot Foundation is what we have reserved for our name. Okay. Um, okay. Our nonprofit paperwork is almost finalized now. Okay. And then cool. we're gonna just use um, any monies that we make from sales. Of, products on there to just go out and do the investigations get right. the equipment and
1: well michael right. we, we appreciate it man thanks for coming on and you take yeah, care thank bud. you so much
2: oh no problem no problem gentlemen we'll see you next time absolutely we'll talk
1: soon for sure
2: keep my phone number and we got message you. Me and let we me know you. when you want to do it again
1: all right take care bud all right well thank
0: you all
2: right you yeah. have a good night gentlemen
1: you too